Welcome to The Being Leader. I'm Annabel Graham. Thanks for joining me. And in this episode, we're continuing to explore who we are as being leaders. So having explored our purpose and identity, so why we're here, and our values and what's important to us, and the strengths that we bring to what we are and what we do, I now want to shine the spotlight on our behaviour. Because who says it's okay for us to behave the way we do? Is it us? Our parents? Our boss? Our partner? Our company? Society? We've got a load of potential judges out there, all with differing opinions of what is and what isn't okay. And it can be deafening at times. Now look, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying we shouldn't pay attention to other people's views, whether it be our businesses or society's ethical codes when it comes to behaviour. We should be conscious of it. Because it isn't okay to be biased. It isn't okay to be racist. It isn't okay to be sexist or ageist or to belittle people or break the law or the company rules. It just isn't. But we need to recognise three things impact our behaviour. And that's what I'm going to talk about more today. And that's conditioning, intention and self-management. So let's look at conditioning number one. Our behaviour is conditioned by our societal norms, whether we like it or not. And how we grow up, what we're exposed to, what the family, education, religious and cultural systems that we've been part of and deem okay and have been experienced as we've gone through our lives have conditioned our beliefs and our behaviours and often what we do and how we are is a direct result of that. You know we're made up of learned behaviour and we follow that blindly at times rather than questioning it as it's frankly just all made up and often it's something we haven't made up, other people did and often we act in that way unaware of whether we should or even do agree. We just end up having this conditioned response and we run that pattern again and again. So there's a fabulous book which I was introduced to about probably six to 12 months ago now and then I ended up actually going on a workshop and it was a lady called, called Dr. Sarah Hill and the book's called Where Did You Learn to Behave Like That? And Sarah gets us to explore, you know, where our behaviour patterns, our rackets and scripts come from. Because very often these start in our early childhood. And that question, where did you learn to behave like that, is one I'd encourage you to ask yourself repeatedly, as you will have learned behaviour. Someone will have role modelled it for you. You know, whether it be your parents, your teachers, friends, an early line manager, you'll have copied it. We're brilliant role modellers. Just look at our kids. You know, they're mini-me's of how we of how we are and how often as you age have you just gone oh shit I'm turning into my mum or dad you know see role modelling we're conditioned by it I would go and look up the Philip Larkin poem called this be the verse I guarantee you're going to smile and it's absolutely true so the first thing to ask yourself is am I being like this because I've chosen to be like this or because I'm replaying a behaviour or script that I've learned from somebody else then let's look at number two, because the next thing is what your intention is. And really thinking about, does our intention line up with our behaviour in the eyes of the receiver? So Stephen Covey, who has that magnificent but exceedingly large book, 
Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, said that we judge ourselves by intention, but other people by their behaviour. My God, how true is that? You know, we do it every minute of the day. It's why we bitch and moan. It's why we tut at emails, why we fume over something that's been said, and often why people get divorced. It's misalignment of intentions versus actions. Just think about it. How often have you seized all day and called your other half every name you can think of just because they either left clothes on the floor, didn't wash the dishes or forgot to put the bins out? Or you ranted to a friend about your boss because they never ring and they obviously don't care about you? Or you've handed one of your team members their head verbally for having missed a deadline that they obviously knew was important? Because I did tell them, didn't I? Come on, get real. People don't go out of their way to piss you off. They're making it up as much as you are. And sometimes it just goes disastrously wrong. The reality is they didn't think. They acted on autopilot. They didn't consciously decide to do something to annoy you. I mean, they might have played out a pattern of behaviour or whatever it was, but it really had absolutely nothing to do with you. Now, they'll have a reason for their behaviour. You know, it might be that they plan to do it later or, come on, don't overreact, it's only minor or simply, I forgot. But these things, these minor little things build up. You know, they wreck marriages, get people sacked and make others resign because these litany of errors which we store up become huge, huge issues for us where we make massive assumptions about why people have behaved the way they have, often never thinking of what their intention is. And that's purely because we're judging behavior rather than intention. Now, let's be honest. We can't judge intention. We aren't that person. But we can stand in their shoes and we can think about it. You know, think about if I did that, was I deliberately meaning to be ungrateful? Or whatever it is I did. No. Of course not. But equally, if we're that person acting that way, we can't excuse our way out of it either. We can only take control of our own actions, not anyone else's. So we need to recognise how our own behaviour can come across and take responsibility for it. We also need to be aware of the role we are playing, what is appropriate in that situation, and then act accordingly to be in the right way. Not just revert to our 14-year-old stroppy self because it's easy and we like that behaviour and we feel a bit hard done by. That behaviour was for then. All learned behaviours were for then. It doesn't serve us well now, so stop. Question those scripts and patterns you know you play out. Come on, you know you do. And ask yourself again, where did I learn to behave like that? And judge your own behaviour. Don't hide behind the intention. By doing that, you'll make your behaviour more intentional as you will apply conscious thought to it rather than just subconscious action. And finally, that brings me to number three, (sighs) self-management. God, why do I start on this one? So, how we react to things when we feel wronged, are annoyed, are anxious, are pissed off, etc, etc. That's an emotional response to a feeling. And feelings are not fact. I'll let that sit. Feelings are not fact. 
They are our interpretation of what's happened. It's our primeval self, you know, our reptilian brain. It's basically us having a toddler tantrum, throwing our toys out of the pram and saying, it's not fair. And when we do this, it basically means it's all about us. So remember, your emotion, your anger is your problem, nobody else's. So stop blaming other people for how you reacted to something. Whilst we can't necessarily control the feelings, the emotion that comes up, we can choose not to shout, sulk, react or act out. Because that's our stuff. And that's what's at the heart of self-management. Recognising those emotional triggers and acting on them and managing our own behaviour rather than being overwhelmed by them and acting like the defiant child. In the world of transactional analysis, or TA, Dr. Eric Byrne, who was a Swiss psychologist who really sort of came to um, preeminence in the late 50s, early 60s with a book called Games People Play, recognised that we all play one of three states all of the time. And that's parent, adult and child. And most of you will have heard about this. Now, each of these can have a positive and negative stance and they'll play out in the behaviour that we'll demonstrate. So if we think about the parent, first of all, we can have, for example, critical parent. So that can be the person who holds us to account, who gives us permission, who sets our boundaries. And that can be quite a positive thing. But the negative side of that critical parent can be the one who tells us off, who berates us, who belittles us, who says we're not worthy. And that isn't positive. On the flip side of the critical parent, we have the nurturing parent. And everyone thinks the nurturing parent's really good. But actually, there's a plus and a downside to that as well. From a positive point of view, they can help us, they can support us, they can enable us. But also, they can smother us. They can interfere. They can take over when they're not really wanted. And they can hold us back from standing on our own two feet under the guise of helping. So that's the parent. And we'll all demonstrate parent behaviour at some time. Especially when we're telling people what to do. That's very parent behaviour. And then we have the child. So first of all, the free child. The child that is unaffected by parent behaviour. And when we've got that free child inside us, we're creative, we're playful, we're experiential, we're fun, we're willing to try new things. But equally, that can also have a negative side because we can take that too far. We can be reckless, we can be destructive, or we can do things that are dangerous. So it doesn't always mean it's a good thing. That on the other side of the child, we have the child that has ended up reacting to a parent response. And that comes across in two ways. The, the positive way is the adaptive child. And we can be compliant, we can be agreeable, we'll go along with the parent decisions. And when that happens, actually those two ego states go along really, really well together. Because we're willing to be passive and, and allow ourselves to be parented. When it doesn't go so well, if somebody tries that parent state and we get the rebellious child, that defiant, angry, complaining child, the one that says, that's not fair, you told me I couldn't do that, what do you mean? And we all recognise that. So just consider that. How much time are you behaving in those ways? How much time are you spending in either parent or child mode in one of those ego states? Is it 50%? 75%? More than 75%? Less than 50%? The truth is, you know, we, we play one of these roles most of the time. 
And we end up in drama triangles. And the drama triangle is a model that one of Burns' students, Kaufman, came up with. Now, this is where we play one of three roles. Victim, persecutor or rescuer. So the victim is the person who goes, it's not fair, I'm not happy, I feel hard done by. So they're acting all rebellious child. And usually they're acting rebellious child because the controlling parent or the persecutor has asked them to do something which they think is unfair. And then you have the rescuer, who is the smothering parent, who comes in and goes, that's okay, I'll help you. Now, if everyone plays that role, if they stay in persecutor, rescuer and victim, the game works well. That rubs along really nicely. Everyone's compliant. But nine times out of ten, that isn't what's happened. What happens is one person reverts. They change roles because actually they don't want help. So when the rescuer offers help to the victim and says, let me help you, the victim ends up attacking them going, that isn't what I wanted. That isn't how I wanted it to go about. And that means the rescuer becomes the victim. The victim becomes the persecutor and invariably ends up going and complaining to the original persecutor who has now become the rescuer. And we all switch round. So that's where conflict ends up happening. It's because we're playing that game and that often comes from patterns we've learned in childhood. But the thing is they're so deep in our subconscious we don't even realise we're playing that. So we need to self-manage. We need to make sure that we are spending as much time in adult mode and that we are meeting those people we're having conversations with, whether it be at work, at home, socially, in adult to adult mode, and that we're staying there. Because we meet, when we meet in adult, we consider the situation. We're in the here and now and recognising things happening just as they are, without the trappings of the past, our issues or our patterns. So to enable that to happen, we really need to develop our levels of awareness to self-observe, rather than just subconsciously go about acting. We need to recognise what our triggers and sensitivities are. You know, what winds us up? You know, do we get ratty when we haven't eaten, when we've not had enough sleep, when we've got too much work, or we've not managed to take a lunch break? What is it? Find those triggers and recognise why those happen. And also recognise when that happens, how do I act so that we start to notice our behaviour patterns and have a greater awareness of how we are being? Just remember this lovely little formula it's by a gentleman called Jack Canfield. E plus R equals O. And that stands for event plus reaction equals outcome. And essentially you can't change the event. You can't change someone being doing something that annoys you. You can't change um, maybe getting stuck in a traffic jam or you can't change a delivery not turning up when you wanted it to. You can, however, choose how you react. You can either fly off the handle, get really emotional, or you can choose to accept it. And whichever choice you make on that reaction ends up changing the outcome of the situation. Remember, event plus reaction equals outcome. So at the end of these podcasts, I normally give you some questions, some reflective work to think about. And the reflective work to think about on behaviour is this. Does how you behave fit with what your purpose and identity dictate? Are you doing yourself justice? Are you acting as you should be 
in alignment with how your role requires you to be or just as you want to be, like a rebellious child? And if it's the latter, how's that working out for you? Are you living up to your values and demonstrating these? And if not, how do you need to be different? Are you being intentional in your behaviours, in the way you go about doing what you're doing? Are you truly present? And are you showing up in your interactions, listening, being humble, and treating others as you would wish they intend towards you? Are you managing your emotions? Are you responding calmly and thoughtfully rather than off the cuff and haphazardly and just reacting and taking things out of proportion? Are you in adult mode rather than channeling your inner parent or child? Remember, you can control things in two ways. By your actions and your behaviours, you have direct control and influence over what happens. If you can't, however, do that, if it's outside of that scope, you can influence by the behaviours and actions of those you know and work with, by you influencing them. So either way, what you do, whether it be directly or indirectly, will have an effect on that. Everything else outside of that is outside of your scope of control. So focus on the controllables. If you haven't yet got this book, and I would recommend you get it, and it's not on philosophy or coaching or leadership or anything like that, but it does make you think about life. And it's a book called The Boy, the Mole, the Fox and the Horse by Charlie McKaysey. And in there, there's a fantastic illustration. And what's written underneath it says this. Our greatest freedom is our freedom to choose. You absolutely can choose your behaviour. And you can choose to make it better or worse. And often by not invoking your ability and freedom to choose, you accept whatever is happening to you and become a passive passenger to your own life. So choose to behave as the best version of yourself, not a version of you that you should have left behind long ago. Thanks for being with me today. I look forward to seeing you on future episodes, which are released every two weeks. Thanks for listening to The Being Leader. 